Hello, music teacher friends. Welcome to episode number 63 of the Beyond Measure podcast. My name is Christina Whitlock, and I am honored to call myself your anytime piano teacher friend. Thank you for joining me today. So today I'm curious, do you have any like particular life lessons that you can't help but feel destined to have to keep relearning? <laughs> like I'm sitting here with 39 years of life experience and I feel like I've picked up a lot of wisdom along the way, but there are a few specific lessons that seem to have to wallop me over the head like way more frequently than I feel like they should. Friends, tell me I'm not the only one. (laughs) Do you feel like you have maybe one or two roadblocks that you seem to keep finding yourself stumbling over in life? I just have to laugh at myself sometimes, (laughs) laughing because otherwise the options are not so pleasant, (laughs) but I find myself just blown away at the number of times that I have to arrive at the same aha moments. Well, I'm hoping you know the feeling anyway. I hear from listeners every week who tell me that they appreciate my, like, down-to-earth honesty here, (laughs) and here's hoping that remains the case, and you don't just start to write me off as someone who just really needs to get her act together ASAP. (laughs) Anyway, I thought I would share my number one recurring life lesson today, because I think we are all really prone to this mistake as musicians and teachers. So without further delay, Christina's number one recurring life lesson. Are you ready? It's this. If you try to do everything, you won't do anything particularly well. (sighs) I would bet money that a lot of you know what I'm talking about because I feel like in my musician life, this has always been the hurdle to pass. (laughs) I know I struggled with this in high school, but the stakes just weren't as high back then. But the first time I remember really having to resolve this issue in my life was in my undergraduate studies. Thinking back to those years, I was in the middle of a total awakening about what it meant to be a pianist, and I was also in the honors college and cranking out that work. I was teaching. I was painfully uninformed in how to set boundaries for myself and pretty much any aspect of life. (laughs) And I was also doing collaborative piano work with just about every student in the music building at one point or another. See, when I was an undergrad, our collaborative piano situation was basically just an open market. Very few accompanists were provided by the school itself, so pretty much everyone just paid out of pocket for their pianists. And because I was a strong sight reader, 
And also because I had zero ability to say no to anyone who asked, (laughs) I played piano for pretty much everyone under the sun. And frankly, I made really great money doing it. (laughs) Those funds eventually paid for my wedding several years later. And of course, the experience itself was priceless. I learned repertoire that I love to this day. I learned valuable collaborative techniques. And honestly, that time of making music with my peers is something that I would go back and relive in a heartbeat. There's not been another time in my life quite like it. And honestly, I miss it so much. I am really grateful that my life took that path. And I'm actually really bothered by the number of pianists who complete degrees without collaborative experience. But of course, that's another story for another day. (laughs) Anyway, as invigorating as my collaborative hustle was in those days, I have a very vivid recollection of a semester where I was in entirely way over my head. I took everything so seriously. I mean, I loved that repertoire so much, and I was desperate to do it justice. And, of course, letting people down is pretty much my worst nightmare, so I never wanted to be the reason that a performance went south. (laughs) I remember talking with a member of the vocal faculty Um, after a really rocky rehearsal one day. Uh, Shout out, by the way, to Dr. Jane Dressler, who was infinitely supportive of me back then, by the way. (laughs) But she told me, you know, that's the thing, dear. You can either try to do everything and just get by, or you can choose to do a few things really well. (sighs) I can still feel that sense of, like, reluctant agreement that came over me when she spoke those words. You can either try to do everything and just get by, or you can choose to do a few things really well. That particular semester, it was the fact that there were only so many song cycles I could learn on top of my other responsibilities. I did try to take corrective action and take on less the following term, but I can't begin to tell you the number of times in my life that I've found myself drowning in commitments and I find myself saying, oh yeah, here I am again. Listen, I know we overachievers like to push the boundaries on what's possible. (laughs) And honestly, we're pretty good at it. I think of myself as a pretty high-capacity person. (laughs) That's how a lot of us ended up where we are. But there comes a point where, if you care about doing your work really well, you have to make peace with the fact that you just can't do everything. I can't begin to tell you the number of times this lesson has popped back into my life. You really would think that I'd have like figured it out by now, (laughs) but I'm probably worse than ever, honestly. And I'm saying these things to you today because I think a lot of you can identify. I think back to when my first daughter was young and as many piano teaching parents will testify, (laughs) my children learned to be independent at really early ages, purely by necessity. 
And for a few years, I taught lessons from home without any additional help for those hours when my husband was at work. And that juggling act worked, at least until it didn't, (laughs) because I feel like both of my girls, when they reached ages like three to five, they became really, really tricky to juggle while I was teaching. So anyway, here was the problem. I desperately wanted to be this present all-star mom. (laughs) But I also, of course, wanted to be a present all-star teacher for my students. I wasn't willing to compromise either one, so I ended up being mediocre at both. (laughs) Or, I don't know, hopefully slightly better than mediocre. (laughs) But suffice to say, I was not being my best parenting self or my best teacher self. And it took me a while to admit, but once I finally started enlisting high school students to come entertain my children, I realized it provided me with this instant, like extreme sense of relief. And I couldn't believe that I'd been suffering it out for so long alone. And here's the thing. Even if it's not your hang-up in life, maybe you are really great at controlling the amount of commitments you agree to. It's definitely something that we have to deal with from our students. Music studios all see their fair share of overachieving personalities. We all have those students who shine in academics in addition to being serious athletes and active in all their school organizations and, yeah, prone to overcommitment. I have this chat with my overachieving students quite often <laughs> that someday there will be a reckoning <laughs> where they have to decide if all of the pressure is worth it or if something needs to go that the problem with successful musicians is they are also usually successful in lots of areas. And their life's dilemma is going to be when they need to pursue something and when they need to leave something else behind. I mean, just because you're good at something doesn't mean you have to do it. (laughs) And that is a tough thing to reconcile, isn't it, friends? I don't have some magic solution to this dilemma. After all, I feel like my life just recently hit another fever pitch where I found myself needing to reconcile what was going to get the boot. (laughs) Because my kids are going to be grown up in the blink of an eye, and they deserve the best of me right now. And because I have like five or six books that feel like they're going to claw their way out of me, whether I give them the time to be written or not. (laughs) And because I have you guys, this treasured community of teacher friends who I just really love getting to know. There's my university work, my church work, my own professional development, my own practice. (laughs) Anyway, I say all those things because I know Music teachers do not struggle with too little ambition. (laughs) We have a lot of wants when it comes to accomplishments that we want to undertake. The pressures we put on ourselves as performers and teachers and social media managers and artists and planners and cheerleaders. I mean, it's a lot. 
So I hope that this is a helpful reminder for your humanness today, my friends. (laughs) If we try to do everything, we won't do anything with excellence. Will you chew on that one for a little bit this week? And now, a toast. (laughs) Music teacher, friends of the world, we are raising our glasses today and swallowing that tough pill of reality that tells us if we take on too much, we are not going to be able to do everything with true excellence. And I mean, maybe that's okay. Some tasks, after all, just need to get done. (laughs) Hear me, perfection is the enemy of the good, right? (laughs) But there are also some things in our life where excellence really matters. Our own growth, our commitment to being exceptional teachers, the passion we feel for music, whatever it is. I hope today you will consider what aspects of your life are truly deserving of excellence. And once you do that, I hope you can decide what is standing in the way of your achieving the standards that you desire. If you feel like you're in over your head and have to keep swimming and hope to make better choices in a few months when some of your obligations let up, (laughs) well, friends, you're in good company. I see you. But in the meantime, let's continue being mindful of the roadblocks we experience when it comes to accomplishing that which matters most to us. (laughs) Cheers to you, my ambitious teacher friends, and all of your recurring life lessons. (laughs) Hear, hear. That is a wrap on episode number 63. Hey, as a heads up, next week, we are going to be talking about how to best prepare our students for performance, (laughs) whether it's for recitals, the looming competition season coming up, you name it. We're going to talk about how you can help your students position themselves for the best possible successes. So I hope you'll join me back here next Monday. In the meantime, don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode where you can find links on how to support this podcast and you can leave me a voicemail telling me your recurring life lesson because I'm super curious if you feel like there's any particular lesson that you have to learn over and over and over again. (laughs) Help me feel not alone here, will you? (laughs) I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, friends, onward and upward, (laughs) let's have a most excellent week.